0: Yeah. Are y'all ready for for, uh, a word from from God today? Yeah. Um, Lord, I I thank you because we did have a great time of of being in your presence, and we didn't walk away because the music stopped, and you didn't walk away because we stopped singing. You're still here, and it's really important to you that we hear your words because your words are life. So I ask right now that you would help me to say the right words. Not my words, but yours. Help me speak words of life. And I ask that our hearts would be wide open and receptive, and not just to hear it, but to put it into practice. Help us to just put a yes over our heart now. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. We're going to have fun today. I want to talk about inside out. And uh, I, I got into a little bit on Wednesday, and uh, I, I, want, I, don't ever want to, I want to apologize for repeating things because uh, we, we learn by hearing. Faith comes by hearing. So when I hear something, I've heard sermons a hundred times in my life, I'm still hearing that Jesus died on the cross. I still like to hear that. Thank you for that, right? So um, today we're going to go through some stuff, and we're gonna, I'm going to take my time. Uh, I won't, I'm never really, really long. I used to be longer than I am now, but uh, I won't go too, too long. Um, but I really want to dive into this, into this message of inside out. In Psalm 32, verse 8 and 9, if you were here Wednesday, some of this will be familiar, but we're going to go somewhere else with it as well and add some stuff to it. But Psalm 32, verses 8 and 9, it says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way that you should go. I will guide you with my eye. Why don't you say that with me? I will guide you with my eye. All right? Then listen to this, verse 9. It's probably one of the most amazing uh, pictures into how God wants to have a relationship with us concerning discipline versus punishment. He says, don't be like a horse or like a mule which have no understanding. They have to be harnessed with a bit or a bridle or they will not come near. Don't be like the horse or the mule that has to be bridled or it will run away from the people that want to take care of it. He's saying, don't be like those. I want you to come close to me. I want to guide you with my eye. I don't want to put exterior controls on you to make you come close to me. I want you to fall in love with me. Right? And so we're going to really get into this today. In the old covenant, the law and everything that they did had to do with external things. They worshipped in a house, in a certain place. They offered certain sacrifices. Everything they did was external. They, they killed sacrifices. They offered sacrifices of incense and, and stuff on burnt altars. And they did all these things and they had all these rules that they did. But every one of them had to do with external things. What they had to do to come close to God. The old law, the old covenant was what did man have to do to come close to God. When Jesus came, he wrote a new covenant. He signed it with his blood at the cross, and what he did was he flipped it, and he says, now I'm doing something so that I can come close to you. He changed the the process from us doing stuff to get close to God from God doing something to draw close to us. In that process, he made it not about external activities. He made it all about internal things. No longer was it about how much money you gave. No longer was it about how many sacrifices you offered or how many, how many lambs or how many sheep or goats you offered to the Lord. No longer was it about what family you came from. No longer was it about all the, all the written exterior rules. It was about where's your heart? What's going on internally? Because that's what it's all about. That's why uh, Jesus made the relationship with God not what happens here, but he made it what happens in here. Everything that Jesus taught when He came, hey, you've heard it said to to do this, but I'm now telling you something completely different. The Pharisees were mad. Look at your disciples. They're barbarians. They don't even wash their foods when they eat. Their hands. Oh, excuse me. Hopefully they wash their food. They They don't wash their hands when they eat. This is ridiculous. And Jesus goes, are you foolish? It's not what goes into a man that makes him clean or unclean. It's what comes out of a man. If you wash the inside first, the outside will also be clean. They'd never heard that before. All they'd ever heard is clean the outside. Don't wear this kind of clothing. Don't tattoo your body. Don't cut your hair, ladies. Men don't do this. Ladies, don't, men don't shave your beards. This, all these, Don't do all these things. That's all they'd ever heard. They were really comfortable with the list of rules. And Jesus comes along and says, hey, It's not about all those things you learned anymore. I fulfilled all of it. I'm the fulfillment of all the law. The Bible says that all the law and the prophets were fulfilled in the life and death and resurrection of Jesus. It was over. He canceled the written code. So all the things that they'd grown up with, don't chew gum in church. (laughs) Don't run in church. You better dress nicer to church than you do anywhere else throughout the week. I was gonna, I'm just going to start naming silly stuff. We have all these codes. If you have a habit during the week, that's fine. But when you come to church, you better not let anyone know you have that habit. All the written codes. Hey, it's okay to be angry with people and have road rage on Monday through Friday. But when it comes to Sunday, you better drive the speed limit on the way to church. You better come in with your arm around your wife like you've had a really good week. You better talk nice to your kids in front of all the other church people. Don't spank your kids. Don't yell at them. All of a sudden, you're treating everyone else, you're treating your family like you treat everyone else. <laughs> oh, what a nice idea! You're treating your family well all the written rules, all the external things. Oh, you can't be a part of an evangelism team until you go through a year of training and you got to go to Bible school or you can't be called by God. I'm not good enough, man. I I don't know the Bible like everyone else. I can't volunteer. I can't help. Those are written codes that have been completely done away with. Man looks at the outward appearance. What does God look at? God even said that in the Old Covenant. (laughs) We've got this, we're, we're just like the, the, the people when Jesus came on the scene. We're like them. We've got all these rules we live by. Oh, I can't say that from the pulpit, but I can say it at home. Like, we had some something happen really funny one time. Uh, it wasn't at our church, but they showed a video clip and a, and a curse word slipped out on the video clip at church. They were using it for a, for a uh, you know, whatever it's called, <laughs> object lesson, whatever, and the, and the curse word. And people were so offended that a curse word came on the thing. Now, I don't... Recommend any of me or my staff or anyone here showing video clips where curse word comes out, right? Just not intelligent. But people were so, oh my gosh, you can't say those words in the house of God. Yet we go home and watch it in our house. <laughs> <laughs> like, I knew Matilda would like that. One. <laughs> like, what's good for the goose? <laughs> where is the house of God? So all of a sudden, this building isn't where God lives. All of a sudden, all the things that were church before and made us Christians before, they don't count anymore. The only thing that matters is the condition of your heart. You're free. You're free, people. (laughs) We're free. We can do anything we want to do. That doesn't mean it's good for us. Paul even says, hey, I can eat anything I want to. I can drink anything I want to. That doesn't mean I'm going to, but I can. It's all about the heart. It's not about, I don't want to jump ahead of myself, but I have to say this here. Many times we would much rather have someone give us a list of rules to live by, because it's easier to manage a list of rules than to manage ourselves. (laughs) Yeah? Proverbs 4.23, you've heard this so much lately, you should know it by heart. (laughs) Above all else, above everything, guard what? your heart. Above all else, guard your heart. Third John 1 verse 2 says, I pray that you prosper and be in good health even as your soul prospers. The key to everything out here, the first one was Proverbs 4.23. The second one was Third John 1.2. The key to external prosperity, the key to everything in my life being the way God wants it to be, is that my heart and my soul are the way God wants it to be. It's an inside out thing. We cannot learn from the outside in. How many of you have tried to do Christianity outside in? How many of you have tried to have a relationship with God? God, just give me a list of rules, and those exterior rules and boundaries that you put on me will make me fall in love with you. How many knows that that's not true? How many of you have ever heard the stories of, of, I don't remember what the movie was, I think it was with Morgan Freeman and uh, Ashley Judd, Kiss the Girls. And, and this guy called himself. so he thought he was Casanova. And what he would do is he would kidnap these ladies and trap them in a dungeon to try to make them fall in love with him. And all the rules that he put on them made all those women not love him but hate him. They didn't want anything to do with him. And sometimes we think, oh, God, just give me a list of rules. Tell me what I can and I can't do. And I will be so happy with that and okay with that. But you know what? As time goes by, the list of rules will become a, a, a thing that annoys us. And, and Matthew 24, verse 12 says, <laughs> it tells us what the opposite of internal prosperity is. This is it, Matthew twenty four twelve. It says, where iniquity abounds, the love of many will wax cold. I grew up my whole life, and my dad taught, taught this verse and told me that iniquity meant gross injustice, and it absolutely does. But it also means where there's no instruction and where there's lawlessness, now, how does it make sense that we're free people and that God doesn't want to put external controls on us, but he wants us to, to have laws and instruction? Because he doesn't want to write it on tablets of stone. Where does he want to write it? On our heart. He wants to write it on our heart. Like, I, when he said that, that was, that was one, of the, the, one of the verses in the Bible. He said specifically... I don't want uh, to write on tablets of stone anymore. I want to write my laws on your heart. Do you hear how intimate God speaks to us? Like, if he wasn't a loving and a gracious and a merciful God, would he say things like that? Would he say, I don't want to write a list of rules for you to follow. I want to have a relationship with you. God has that language all through Scripture. Scripture. David found that key in Psalm 119, verse 11. He says, Your word, O Lord, have I hidden in my heart. And when I hide your word in my heart, I will not sin. He didn't say, O Lord, all the laws and all the things you've told me, I've written down on tablets. I've put them on sticky notes on my mirrors at home. And we do that a lot. My wife and I do that. We write sticky notes. We write notes to, to, to bridle ourselves. And all of those things can't bring us closer to God. All the religious exercises, all the the good deeds, we're not to neglect good deeds at all. Don't misunderstand me. We're not to neglect doing good things. But those things will not draw us closer to God. Those things are a result. They are a byproduct of my heart in love with God. See, in the old covenant, they tried to do all the right things so that they would fall in love with God. And for some reason, in, in the modern church, we've done the same thing for most of our life. How many have been in church again longer than five years, 10 years, longer than 15 years? We went through a really legalistic period, and now it's like we've swung to the opposite side. We need to really be careful with our balance here. The word I hate. I love to hate it. <laughs> but it, church became putting on a show, putting on a face. Christianity became, don't let people know who you really are, only tell them what you want them to know. And that's completely the opposite of what God wants. He wants us to be intimate. He wants us to be close. He wants us to just bear ourselves before Him. He wants us to be like Adam and Eve were before the fall. They were naked and they weren't ashamed. Like Bishop Jake's awesome book, Naked and Unashamed. They weren't afraid of of who they were because they knew God didn't want to hurt them, that God wanted to love on them. The absence of controls will always lead to uh, our love for God growing cold. (laughs) Let me say it better. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) The absence of internal controls will always make us frustrated with God. Even if we have all kinds of rules... I, I, I said this on Wednesday, but in, in our leadership team, we're re- I'm really careful on putting restrictions and rules on stuff. Because when you get a list of rules, it's just the minimum requirement. It's like, what do I have to do to make a D so that I can go to 11th grade? I just want to get by. I don't want to do anything extra. I don't want to feel this. I don't want to put effort into it. I don't want to burn I don't want to expend any mental, I don't want to exhaust my mind. I need to save it for other more important things. So we're like, give me a list of the minimum requirements. What must I do to be saved? Nicodemus. Jesus, give me a list of rules. What must I do to know you? (laughs) Jesus didn't give him the answer he was looking for. Jesus addressed his heart. Nicodemus was looking for... Give me a list. Give me all this stuff. He's like, you got to be baptized. you got to be born again. What? I'm got to be born again? Let me go back into my mom and be born again? That doesn't make any sense. He's like, it'll make sense as we go on. Some of us were like, God, what do I have to do to be okay? What do I have to do to be closer to you? What do I have to do to my, for my family to be better? I'll do it. Do I have to fast this? Do I have to give up that? Do I have to do this? Do I have to pray more? What externally can I do, God, to, to get you to do something for me? And God doesn't work like that, right? Let me find out God doesn't work like that. <laughs> so i want to ask this question. What governs our behavior if there was no one there to punish us? What governs our behavior if there's no one there to keep a record of our wrongs so they can blackmail us for it later? I'm going to ask those two questions again. What governs our behavior if there is no one there to punish us? If there are no um, uh, repercussions of punishment? What helps us do the right things? What will help us do the right things if there's no one there keeping a record of our wrongs to blackmail us later or to manipulate us? I've heard this story so many times, but it's it's just perfect because we all stumble into this. The policeman on the highway or the road story. All of a sudden... Everyone's going eighty. You know it? Finish the story with me, you've heard it so many times. What happens when the policeman gets on the road? Oh gosh, the speed limit's sixty. I totally forgot. What made us remember what the rules were? The fear of punishment. Uh oh. All of a sudden there's an external fear of punishment. Now I have to do the right thing. I gotta get in line because I'm afraid to get hurt. Do you know that we kind of live our Christianity that way? Okay, God, I'm afraid to get caught for this thing, so I'll hide it. Because I know if I let anybody know about it, you're going to punish me. Yes, okay? Give me a head nod if you're still here. Elbow your neighbor. The list, of, the list of rules is just a minimum requirement. It's just enough to get by because it's so much easier to manage a list of rules than to manage freedom. We would rather have someone else control us so that we don't have to be responsible for controlling ourselves. <laughs> that's, that's so hard. It's, it's so true, right? At work, what's the latest I can get to work? I'm going to walk in one second before that time go- goes off. What's the earliest I can take my lunch? What's the longest I can take my lunch? What's the earliest I can leave from work? What's the minimum requirements? I don't want to control myself and actually give myself to this company and make it prosper. So control me, and I'll be mad at you for controlling me. God, I only get a 30-minute lunch. <laughs> Am I telling the truth? So we want people to control us because we don't want to control ourselves. We don't want to be responsible. And then when they do that, we hate them for it. And all of a sudden, everything is everyone else's problem but ours. We don't take any ownership over our lives. Oh, they treat me bad here. They do this there. They said that there. It's their fault. I just can't work in this atmosphere. <laughs> I can't be creative here. It's oppressive. <laughs> Remember what we said a couple months ago? No one should be able to make you happy. No one should be able to control your sad. Your sad bubble, whatever. (laughs) No one should be able to make you angry. No one should be able to make you feel stupid. Jared, (laughs) no one should be able to make you do anything. You have complete control of yourself. You have, see, Jesus died and went away for a very specific reason. Why did Jesus say, I have to go away? Because if I don't leave, this awesome guy behind me can't come. If he doesn't... Come here. You're not going to really enjoy this. This is just not going to be the same without Him. You're going to love Him. He's amazing. He's the best thing ever. He's better than me. <laughs> he's going to tell you all about me. He's, he's going to do stuff. So. He's going to make you like me, and you're going to fill the whole earth, and you're going to do stuff that I didn't even do because He's coming after me, and He's going to live inside of your heart. And when He comes inside of your heart to live, He's going to produce fruit inside of you. He's going to produce love, joy. Peace, patience, kindness. What was the next one? Self-control. Woo, discipline. He didn't say the Holy Spirit is going to come live inside of you and give you God control. He didn't say the Holy Spirit is going to come live inside of you and give you Jesus control. He didn't say the Holy Spirit is going to come inside of you and give you Holy Spirit control or pastor control, or wife control. What did he say? Self-control. It's the fruit of the Spirit. He came to give us self-control. You guys good? See, God doesn't want to put the bridle on you. You know why the, the world thinks that the church is all about rules and bridles? Because the church thinks that it's all about rules and bridles? <laughs> a new person comes to church and immediately we want to tell them, here's all the rules to be a part of our church. You can't smoke, you can't drink, you can't cuss, you can't wear pants, you can't. <laughs> Am I lying? <laughs> Everyone wants to go. They go to a new church. What denomination are you? What is that code for? What are your rules? Oh, you're that denomination, so it's okay to socially drink? I like you. I'll go to you. (laughs) What, you pray in tongues? You're weird. I don't like you. (laughs) What are your rules? Oh, well, uh, in this church, we only honor the pastor and the leadership team, and everyone else is treated like poo-poo. (laughs) right? We want to know the rules. When we come here, what are the rules? Why? Because we've made it all about the rules and not about the relationship. It's our fault. It's not the world's fault. They think that it's about the rules because when they come to us, well, what do I got to do to be a Christian? Well, you got to give up this, and you got to give up this, and you got to give up this. Maybe, it was almost a year ago, or I don't remember, six months or so ago, I heard a a man speak on this. His name is Dan McCollum. And you had these people in Corinthians and they were into all kinds of weird worship they were in idolaters they were idolaters they worshiped with strange things they had all kinds of of temples they had weird practices and all of a sudden they're all getting saved left and right everywhere they go they're getting saved they're getting. they're falling in love with god they're like but then they kept all their old practices that weren't christian and they just added their old practices that weren't christian into christian practices and they're like oh, the other christians were like these guys are crazy. What are they doing? They can't do that, and they can't do this, and they can't do that. And so Paul comes, and he's like, okay, look, look, let's just give them four rules. Don't eat food with blood in it. Don't, don't uh, fornicate and ha- commit adultery, and don't, don't hate your neighbor, and one more rule. And, and don't worry about all the other stuff that they're doing. He made it really simple. Like, just get them to, to fall in love. D- they didn't give them a list of rules, you can't worship this way. That comes through the relationship, Right? And I want you to know today, rules aren't bad. Discipline, um, requirements, they're not bad, right? What makes them bad? When we use them as an excuse to, be, to, to lack self-control. They're bad when we only have external controls. And they're, they're not of any service to us if our heart's not controlled, if we're not self-controlled, right? Right? In Isaiah 30, verse 20, it says, Though He gives you the bread of adversity and the water of affliction, your teachers or your wisdom will not be hidden from you anymore. With your own eyes, you will see them. And He says, whether you turn to the right or to the left, and we're closing it out with this, all right? Whether you turn to the right or to the left, you will hear a voice saying, This is the way. Walk in it. So, Everyone understand what's going on here. God is basically saying, hey, whether you go to the right or to the left, you're going to hear my voice telling you where to go, which is a good thing, right? I do want to hear God telling me where to go. I want to explain it like this. He's, he says in, in, in our opening scripture in Psalm 32, I will instruct you. I will put structures and train your heart so that you and I can be close. And where all I have to do is guide you with my eyes, where you can look in my eyes and know if I'm happy, sad anything else. I don't want to put rules and bridles on you to make you come close to me. I want you to do to do these things. The way it starts out is instruction starts as you hear God's voice. And you just say, yes. Oh, I recognize that. that's God. What will happen over time is when it first started out as God's voice directing you, as you fall in love with him, it will become your voice that sounds just like his voice. It doesn't replace God's voice. It's just all of a sudden, your voice and his voice are saying the same things. Instead of God saying, hey, I really don't think it's good for you to do that, because that's a good place to start. (laughs) Everyone hear me? That's a good place to start, for God to say, hey, it's okay to do this. It's not okay to do that. It's a really great place to start. But that will evolve into, you know what? I don't really want to do that thing anymore, because I want to protect my relationship with God. Do you see the, the transition? You know, I really want to do that because it makes God happy. you see the difference? All of a sudden, my internal prosperity is dictating what I do out here instead of the other way around. The Lord wants to train us. He wants to instruct us. He wants you to come close to him. Yeah? How many believe God is for you and he wants you to be close? He really wants to be in your life, not to, to tell you what to do as a dictator. Yes, sir, as a friend. He really does. First John four eighteen says, there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out, casts out all fear. What is fear? It has to do with punishment. And the one who fears is not perfected in love. And In other words, if we're afraid of God, if we're afraid of things, it's because we're afraid of punishment. And Jesus was punished for our sin at the cross. You're unpunishable. I, I like the way Danny Silk says that. You're unpunishable. God's not, you're not on God's hit list. Yeah? But he wants you to be self-controlled. He longs for the day when you begin to do things that are in your heart that please him because it's in your heart. Yeah. Everyone's still with me. Do I need to yell real quick to wake us up just for a second? No, please don't. I'm enjoying. I want to read close with this and second time, second closing. Romans eight. I have to have to read this. Romans eight, chapter one through four. You're going to know it. There is. It's amazing. You can start one scripture in this room, and everyone knows, there is. Everyone's like, therefore. We know no condemnation. Say it with me. There is. Therefore. Now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. This is, then it explains why. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit, alive in Christ Jesus, set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do, in that it was weakened by sinful nature, God did by sending His Son to be sin offering. And He condemned sin in the sinful man. Where's the sinful man? He was crucified at the cross. He died with Jesus. It says it right here. Kind of. If you read between the words and the lines. It says, For what the law was powerless to do, God did by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful man to be a sin offering, and so He condemned sin in the sinful man. Why did He do that? So that we could be in right relationship with Him. So that the righteous requirements of the laws could be fulfilled. And that we wouldn't live according to the sin nature, but we'd live according to the Spirit. How many knows what the Scripture says? The letter kills... But the Spirit does what? Brings life. All right. Last thought. Third closing. (laughs) I'm getting older. (laughs) How many growing up ever heard someone say, oh, well, I love my Bible. Don't let that action fool you. How many, when you were growing up, I even told, told our youth this and, and, and stuff growing up, every answer to life's problems are right here in the Bible. You ever heard that before? Like where in there does it tell you which job to take? I didn't read that book. (laughs) Like, is that like in the Maccabees? Is that part of the Bible? We didn't add in there that other people have in there. (laughs) Where does it tell you who to marry in the Bible? I, I didn't read anywhere it says, you will marry Amanda Nicole Garrison from Paris, Texas. The Rose of Paris. <laughs> I didn't read that anywhere. Where did it tell you where to live? What to do with your life? Where do you learn that stuff? You don't learn it from the words on the page. You learn it from the author. If the, if the letter, if the written word of God could produce righteousness... We would all be pretty righteous. Because so we know the word. We know that we'd be righteous. Because <laughs> so we know the word. But the, the letter does nothing. It's the author of the letter that brings life. It's internal. It's not an external thing. Yeah? will not you stand? Shake a little bit. And I'm going to hand off to Mariano Rivera.
1: <laughs> Alright, so If you're going to enter into a rich man's house You know they always have that gate up And so you got to get out of your car And you got to open one gate And you got to open the other gate And then you can drive your car So everything that We talk about here There's two things you've got to You've got to do To get into in, Into This place where you can actually receive this word. One of them, believe that Jesus died for your sin. Easy enough, right? Just believe. Number two, make the most of that belief by taking the time to build a relationship with him every day. And that's it. If you can do those two things, you'll enter into a life where every single abundant blessing that God has for you is right there for your taking. Every deliverance, every healing... Every word of wisdom that you need is right there for you. Which one of those two gates is the one we always mess up? The second one, right? (laughs) Yeah. It's hard to take time every day to make the most of your relationship with Jesus. It's hard to just sit, you know, and say, forget everything. I'm just going to read this chapter. I'm just going to read through this chapter and listen to God. You know what? Forget everything. You know, Forget everything I'm just going to sit down and be quiet And have a conversation with my Lord Why is it so hard But for some reason it is So this week I want you to really focus on that Remember last week We started our 31 days of pursuit And my word of advice was Don't put too much energy into it Instead put your energy into learning how to stop Just learn how to stop So this week I want you to take the next step Last week it was important that you just learn how to stop and let the Lord catch you. Well, this week we're gonna start with taking that step toward Him and pursuing after Him. Let's get the car going in the right direction. So every day this week, every day, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, stop and get into the word and get into prayer. Okay? All right. If you're here this morning, you say, Listen, I don't have a relationship with Jesus. heard of it all my life, never really took the time to speak to him and say, I want you to be my Lord, then I want you to take that step this morning. And we're all going to take it with you. All of us together this morning are going to take it. So when we say this prayer, I want you to make the most of it. If you're Pastor Jared, and you've been Christian pretty much all your life, make it like you're saying this for the first time. If you're the other end of that and you've never ever said this prayer before, you've never given your life to Christ, then say it like you're saying it for the first time. Okay? All right. Let's all just close our eyes. God, I believe in you. I know you exist. And I know you love me. But I'm not a perfect person. I believe in your son, Jesus Christ, who died on this earth, even though he lived a perfect life. So now his blood makes me clean, and I want to have a relationship with you through that blood. So Lord, come into my heart and change me. Make me a person who's all about you. I want to make the most of the blood that your son shed. And I pray in his name. Amen. All right. Welcome to the family again. All right, you guys, be blessed this week. Hang around, have some fellowship, have some coffee, and uh, leadership team, we have our meeting. Don't forget. Be blessed.